Let's open our Bibles, please, to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and we will begin reading in verse 8, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and verse 8, and we're going to read through the end of the chapter responsively through verse 18. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 8. And uh, this is our testimony, whether we understand it or not. We should all be able to understand this. Let's stand, please. We will read these uh, verses. I'll read the first verse. We'll read the second verse together and so on, beginning in verse 8. We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. For we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. So then death worketh in us, but life in you." We having the same spirit of faith, according as it is written, I believed and therefore have I spoken. We also believe and therefore speak, knowing that he which raised up the Lord Jesus shall raise up us also by Jesus and shall present us with you. For all things are for your sakes, that the abundant grace might through the thanksgiving of many redound to the glory of God. For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal way to glory, while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. I want you to look back there at verse 15. I uh, hope we could accept this and believe it. it. says, for all things are for your sakes. All things. Basically, Paul is saying all the suffering in his life has happened to help somebody else. All things are for your sakes. All right, let's pray. Our Father, we ask that you'd uh, help us to preach the word and to hear it, that it would have some power and meaning in our life, that it would have an impact on our life, that it would enrich our life, help us not to just look on the things which are seen, the temporal things which are but for a moment as far as eternity is concerned. Help us to see the invisible, the spiritual the eternal, uh, the death that worketh in us, the life of Christ, the death of Christ, so that others might live. We pray that we'd have a servant's heart, we'd have a burden for the lost, we'd understand this true spirit of Christianity, of Jesus Christ, that death worketh in us, but life in someone else. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. And you may be seated. All things are for your sakes. Uh, 
If we're honest, when we get saved, it's for a selfish motive. It's the reality. Uh, we get saved because we don't want to go to hell. We get saved because we don't want to burn forever. It's selfish. Uh, whatever motive you need, if you're not saved, you need to get saved. But the, the reality is, as you grow in grace, you realize Christianity is based on the doctrine of partaking. So when you get saved, for a selfish reason, you're baptized into Jesus Christ by the one spirit baptism, Ephesians 4. Now your life is hid with Christ in God. And you're seated already in Christ at the right hand of the Father and blessed with spiritual blessings in heavenly places. And now you have the life of Christ through the death of Christ. And just as Jesus Christ died for us, now we live. Christ in us is going to suffer and die, and we will in the spiritual, invisible way, die so that someone else might live. You know, if, if you were to ask somebody, uh, if they really knew what they are getting into, I don't know. Of course you would if you're truly saved. But a lot of times when you get involved in something and then in retrospect you look back, I've always asked myself, boy, if I would have known this when I first started this, I wonder if I would have got involved in it uh, to where it's led me to this day. So as we grow and learn, it's all about Christ, all about Christ. When we first get saved, though, it's all about us. But then when we realize if it's all about Christ, then we move to the next level of growth and grace and maturity. Christ is all about others. So we start off, it's all about me. Then it's all about Christ. Then we realize Christ is all about others. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. When Jesus was dying on the cross and those passed by wagged their head and they mocked Him and others did the same, one of those timeless quotes is that he saved others himself he cannot save this is the love of god the sacrifice of the lord jesus christ so if we know the spirit and the nature of christ it's all about others sacrifice suffering dying so that others might live. He who was rich became poor for our sakes, that we in turn might become rich. Brother Howes always, I don't remember really what he was quoting, but he would always say, others, Lord, yes, others. Let this my motto be. Paul said, all that I've endured, all that I've suffered, and I don't read it now, but sometimes when you're feeling sorry for yourself, you think you're having a tough time. Get out 2 Corinthians 11 
and read all that Paul went through. Beaten with rods, shipwreck, fasting, persecution, false brethren, all the things that he suffered. And he said, why did I suffer this? For you, for somebody else. So, and remember, this is written to one of the most carnal uh, the Corinthians were known to be hedonists, idolaters. Um, it was a tough place to start a church. So the suffering of death, this is what we are experiencing. When we go through this, we need to recognize it. Don't feel sorry for yourself. Don't have a pity party. Realize this is Christ in you, the hope of glory. And then I, I want to say this. We ought to all have an expectation. This is a Bible principle. Someone has to suffer for others to prosper. Someone has to die for others to live. And if you're going through a tough time right now, and many of us are, and life itself is tough in a lot of ways. We should expect life in the near future. Open up. Death worketh in us, but life in you. And all this happened for somebody else's sake. Now, you say, well, that's not fair. Why should I have to suffer? I didn't do anything wrong. Why do I have to endure all these hardships, temptations, and trial and tribulation for Christ? Because somebody has already done it for you. Now, you may not realize it yet. Somebody paid the price for you to be here tonight. Somebody. Way back, you could look at the patriarchs. You could go to the, the uh, founders and the apostles of the New Testament church. You could go to the great men who suffered, bled, and died for the church to be started and the truth to go on from generation to generation. You could go to your grandparents, your great-grandparents, your parents. You could go to your preachers, your pastors, your teachers, your friends. But somebody suffered for us to live. Right now, I think about it all the time. Um, I still wonder, when Brother Roloff put his plane on autopilot and supposedly a storm caused him to crash, I wonder if something else didn't happen. Uh, you know, it, it hit me. Uh, who knows? All the sufferings of all the, the great men, and you think about even a mother and her love for her children, all the suffering and the sleepless nights and the, the colic and they've got a tummy ache and they've got fever and should we dunk them in the cold ice in the bathtub or take them to the emergency room? You know, all the sufferings that a mother endures for her children, they suffered so that child may live. You know, I was thinking about my mom. She'd Take us to football, muddy, you know, up in Dallas. Uh, pick us up. 
She'd wash our uniform and always had a meal prepared. Uh, death was working so that others might live. A very simple um, illustration. So, you know, if you're a cowboy fan, somebody's going to start living pretty soon because there's been a lot of death working. Uh, unless a miracle took place. Death worketh in us. Why? All these things are for your sakes. The suffering, the anxiety, the overconcern, the problems, the injuries, the accidents, the sickness, the disease, the temptation, the financial difficulties, the struggles of life, everything happens for a reason. Now, we need to remember this, remind ourselves, everything that's happened to you has happened for a reason. God is moving in your life. Don't fall for the Joel Osteen self-help, positive stinking or positive thinking, false prosperity gospel, that everything's going to be great, all your problems are going to go away, you're going to have a perfect health, and you're going to get rich. That's not in the Bible. What is the Bible? Death is going to work. Why? Because this is the way of Christ. These are the cross-bearing days, not the crown wearing days, and everything happens for a reason. So there, there could be two people, even two church members, claim to believe the Bible. Same thing happens to both of them. One of them takes it personal. They feel sorry for themselves. They begin to be depressed and sad and confused on, why is this happening to me? Woe is me. The other person knows the doctrine of Christ, the crucifixion and the resurrection. Death precedes life. Yes, it hurts. Yes, it's difficult. But they know the doctrine and they don't take it personal. They suffer, they hurt, and then they look for, this happened for somebody else. I'm already saved. You no, know, think about it. If you're saved, you're already saved. What about somebody else? Are we going to try to pluck a few brands from the burning? So, God, you say, I want to see the power of God. Well, somebody's going to die to have resurrected power. Somebody's got to die to be brought back to life. So, in our weakness, God demonstrates His power. In our fleshly mortal bodies, the suffering, the loss, this is how God demonstrates His power. So He said, always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus. Now, think about this. Your problems right now, let's just say physically, that's what the body uh, deals with health. You know, you lay in bed at night and your feet hurt, your knee hurts. Maybe you get that COVID ice pick. Like a, maybe it's a, something with your uh, neurological system and you get that sharp pain. Maybe your bones hurt. Maybe you get a migraine. Who knows? Death worketh in us. 
we need to go out there and look for somebody that God's going to bring them back to life. This is the way. Do we believe it? Are we going to open up? Are we going to expect it? Or are we going to try to stop what God's doing by deceiving ourselves that God's only working when good things are happening? No, God's working all the time, no matter what happens. And God's working, especially when death worketh in us. So this is a law of God that governs the creation. It's also a law of Christ in the New Testament, body of Christ. Somebody has to suffer if others are going to prosper. And it's always preceded by the death of Christ. Calvary preceded the resurrection. If we don't suffer, who's going to get saved? Who's going to live? If we don't, like the old preachers used to say, somebody's got to pray while everybody else plays. Somebody's got to fast while everybody else is at an uh, all-you-can-eat buffet. Somebody's got to suffer. Somebody's got to stay up late get up early. Somebody's got to go to work while everybody else is goofing off. Somebody's got to read their Bible and uh, yield to the Spirit while others are looking for an easy life. Somebody has to sacrifice for somebody else to be sanctified. This is the law of God. Somebody suffered for me. I know many people suffered for me all the way back. And you can look at your own close family, your distant relatives. You can look at people who were praying for you when you didn't know how to pray for yourself. You can look at all the way back. You know, you say, well, here we are. What is today's day? Is it the 14th? I lose track. Sunday night, 2024. What a boring thing to do. Come to church again and sit there and read the old black book and have some guy yelling at you or whatever. Do you realize back in the 1920s, somebody went to ever service and was faithful and maybe had to go to church in the snow in a buggy? And it could be that some way we're here tonight because what they suffered for us it could be. I, I encourage you, if you haven't done it, read Fox's Book of Martyrs. Get it. All the ways that the apostles died and were martyred. Look, look what they did for us. Look at the, the misunderstanding and the false accusation and all the things which they suffered and endured for us. So all of the life, the resurrection, it begins with suffering, and death. There is no way there can be what it, it ends this chapter with the things which are invisible, eternal life, the things which really matter and will last on and on and on in the worlds to come throughout eternity. They're invisible, but everybody wants the uh, visible, the temporal they're wasting their life at, as the clock ticks by. 
So you think about the next time. Man, I'm having a rough time. The setbacks, the loneliness. When you really suffer with Christ, you can't really describe it. It's spiritual. You can't really explain it. There's no words for it. But you know you're being persecuted in the spirit. You're under attack. I say that word. I use that phrase all the time. I am under attack. How many people knocked doors, worked a bus route, taught a Sunday school class, preached in children's church, went to church when they were sick, went to church when they had to find gas money just to put in their car to get there, all throughout from the beginning of the church age to the present time. You know, we sit here tonight in this one place. We are influenced by Christians all over the world that affected us, that influenced us. So I want you to look at what Paul went through in his sufferings. Dying, death worked in him that others might live. And I've always loved this uh, terminology. And when you define it, it's very, very um, interesting. So look what it says in verse 8. If you're saved, this is happening to you right now. First of all, we are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. Now, I want you to notice in every one of these predicaments that the Christian goes through, it looks hopeless. It seems hopeless. There's no human solution. There's no one that can help us. It seems very, very grim and dark, but there's always an answer from God. Don't ever forget that. If you lose hope, you've lost everything. If you have succumbed to defeat that I'm going to quit fighting, I'm just going to give up, you have lost but all of us have felt, I just don't see a way out of this. I don't know how much more of this I can handle. I don't know if I can do this anymore. You always can. God's grace is always sufficient. And when you are pushed what we call to the limit, I ask myself, all the, I don't know if I can handle this. I don't know if I can put up with this much longer. And then I remember that old country song, one day at a time, I forget, sweet Jesus, that's all I'm asking from you. I think a girl sung that. Uh, and then it goes to that other one, and promise you a rose garden. <laughs> no, he never said, you know, he never said it's going to be easy. So what does it say? Troubled on every side yet not distressed. What that means is you're crowded and forced into a funnel of a rut, but you're not hemmed in all the way. There's some way out, but you're pushed into a, a narrow, narrow path. 
You're crowded in. Seems like there's no way out of this thing, but there's always a way out. It's kind of like football, you know, the running back. When I was young, they had the, the right side was the even, the left side was the odd, I don't know, two hole, four hole, six and eight, you know, one, three, five. On that side, it's pretty simple. If you were uh, the halfback 20 and it was the 21 dive, you know, the quarterback's going to hand it off to me and I'm going to try to go up the, the, the gap right here on the one between the guard and the tackle. I, I'm sure it's changed. They have all these names. But hemmed in, no way to go. There's a way. God can make a way when there is no way. We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. Keep reading the Bible. You know what most people do? They stop. I'm troubled on every side. Well, you're in bad shape. But you know what God said? Yet you're not distressed. There's always a way out. Amen. Always a way out. And all of these are keep moving forward. Don't stop. Don't look back. Keep moving. Sometimes it seems hopeless. A lot of times it seems hopeless. So I want you to notice there are no superlatives in the struggles and the suffering of the child of God that Paul went through and set the example for us. There is always a way. May seem like it's lost. No. It's kind of like, you know, the, the cowboys. Uh, uh, I've developed a saying they still have time to lose. You know, uh, it's looking good. Uh, don't worry. They've got time to blow it. They've got plenty of time. Don't, don't get you. It's not over till it's over. It's kind of like a business transaction. It's not over till you, your check cashes. You know, I got this thing where, well, hold on now. Let's make sure you get the check, you deposit it, and the check clears. So dying but not dead. Right? Losing, but not totally defeated. This is the way of Christ. If you looked at Jesus Christ from his betrayal with a kiss, illegally arrested, false witnesses, totally betrayed, sentenced to death by his own people, they chose a criminal to be set free other than Christ, it looked like he was going to lose. But life comes from death. Look at the next one. This is very interesting to me. End of verse 8. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Now, that word perplexing means our mental faculties. And what it means is, I've thought this through many times and there's no way out rationally or logically. Now, we've all been there. I don't see a mathematical solution. There's no way with what I make and the bills I have to pay that I can work this out. There is, there's this problem I have, sickness, disease, whatever it is physically, and the doctor said all this. This is the results. This is the statistics. 
I am totally perplexed. I've thought it through. I've rethought it. I've checked it. I've saw if there's any other way. But I'm not in despair. What does that mean? When you can't rationally figure it out, don't lose hope. Don't lose hope. Most problems have no rational solution. You know, it's like I, I was talking to somebody. I said, well, there's only three things you can do. You can make an investment, which is a risk. That's going to take time. Or you can get a job working by the hour. Or you can rob a bank. And don't rob a bank. For many reasons. It's wrong, first of all, but they got a lot of cameras. Uh, no, no, don't rob a bank. But I don't see a way out of this. There's always a way. I don't know how. You don't have to believe me. I went to college. I can read and write. I can do mathematics. I have seen God put money in my bank account, and I don't know how it got there. I don't know how. A few times in my life, miraculously, money just, I don't know how it happened. I couldn't figure it out. I was totally perplexed. How am I going to solve this problem? Well, don't stop there. Keep reading. But we're not in despair. Boy, I love that. When you're, at your, you know what that old saying, when you're at your wit's end, don't be in despair. This is why most people crack and lose it and have a nervous breakdown. Or they backslide or they get depressed, discouraged. They turn back. They don't finish. When you're troubled, keep going. Bust a hole. Find a way. Let God work a miracle. When you're perplexed, don't get despair. Just trust God. Next, look, look at this next one. Look at verse 9. Persecuted, but not forsaken. This word, persecution, means we're pursued or hounded or followed. We're being tracked. And everything is after us. Sin, death, Satan, the world is chasing us. But notice what it says. We're not forsaken. And that word means deserted. When everything is chasing us down, God will never desert us. Praise the Lord. The Bible says, He promised, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. He's always there. And the Bible says that when He went to heaven, He would not leave us Comfortless, but he would send the Holy Spirit to run beside and to plead our cause, to be our attorney, and to lead us unto all truth. But not only that, to beside us. How shall two walk together except they be agreed? So, you know, I've, I've felt that many times something's after me. I feel like. Someone or something is trying to get me. I am being hounded. I can sense it in the spirit. It's evil. Something's trying to steal and ruin and 
wreck my life. When you feel that way, remember, you're not forsaken. Remember, all these, it seems like you're going to lose. And then right at the last, you win. If you don't quit. All right, let's look at the last one. Look what it says at the end of verse 9. Cast down, but not destroyed. Now, this is a martial arts term, which means to either be knocked down or thrown down, and you're having the standing eight count. You got knocked down. You know what it really means? You got knocked down, but you're not knocked out. A just man falleth seven times, but riseth up again. If you fight, you're going to get hit. And in any fight, you're going to fall. You're going to get tripped. You're going to get taken down. You're going to get swept. You may get taken down by a wrestler. Boy, that's scary. Um, but what does it say? You're not destroyed. You're not destroyed. And, and so the word means you, you were taken down, but you don't stay down. I'm getting up. I got. I love what Brother Howes, he'd, he'd always say, and I quote it all the time. He'd say, look, if you get knocked down, if life punches you and you got a bloody nose, you just lay there for a while. It hurts. Feel sorry for yourself. Have a pity party for a while. But then you pull yourself up by your own bootstraps and you get back up. Don't you stay down. Everybody gets knocked down. Just don't stay down. So the, the, uh, the boxing, the eight count, martial arts, where, you know, they love to taunt, you know, now even taunting, you can't even do anything anymore. You can't even taunt. So they knock them down, they get over them. You know, taunting's in the Bible. Did you know that? When David sling James version Goliath and knocked him down, he, he stood over him, put his foot on his chest, took his own sword and cut his head off. And then hold it. If that isn't taunting, I don't know what is. You know, um, can't have any fun anymore. Uh, they've changed all the rules. Can't even hit the quarterback in the head. What a, you know, the stuff that used to make the highlights of, I forget what they called it, now you'd be kicked out of the game. Uh, you know, it's unbelievable how sissified the world has become. But... Satan's not stopping. He's after us. He wants to knock us down. So are we going to keep reading? Are we going to let God finish? Are we going to go to the end? This is death working in us, troubled on every side, yet not distressed. Perplexed, but we're not in despair. Persecuted, we're not forsaken. He's there with us, and we get cast down, but not destroyed. Now, why is this necessary? This is not by chance. This is totally necessary because he says Christ, the only way he's going to live in us.
is if he dies in us. And the only way Christ is going to live in somebody else is if Christ dies in someone else for that person. And when you summarize it and you look at life in the text, it plainly says all things are for your sakes. And he's talking to an ungrateful, disrespectful, Corinthian, carnal, worldly church. Did not appreciate him leaving his own country to go and uh, start the church there. Disrespected him. So we have to ask ourselves, the beginning of this new year, and isn't it amazing, three weeks have almost passed. There's nothing wrong with asking, why is this happening to me? You ought to ask that. Why is this happening to me? Don't just get angry. Don't be afraid. Don't feel sorry for yourself. Ask yourself, why is this happening? Well, if you yield to the Holy Spirit, remember all the doctrine of the New Testament church and Christ. Suffering is necessary. It's the way of Christ. And so if you're going through a rough time, that means somebody is going to benefit from that. Now you say, well, that's not fair. Well, we are all benefiting because somebody else already suffered for us. And, you know, it, it's a true story. I always heard those, those old stories that, you know, they, you young kids don't know how good you had it. And we walked to school in the snow uh, uphill both ways. And, uh, you know, and, and, and then I heard my grandfather, he walked 11 miles to work one way. So he, he, he walked 22 miles and then worked. The, the shift, the midnight shift, when they were building the Lake Texoma Dam, you know, up, up there on the Red River between Oklahoma and Texas. And unbelievable, I was thinking of that. And here I sit with the silk tie, with warm air coming out of, where is that? Oh, there aren't any up here. I mean, push a button. All the things he endured, just one man for me. He had 12 children that lived in a little log cabin. And my dad would tell me the stories that they'd have to, to uh, harness the horse to the wagon to go to town. And they'd hear coyotes and how scary it was, you know, in the dark. You know, there wasn't any headlights. There wasn't any street lamps. Uh, back in the old days, and when I remember my other grandparents, they had a, a clothesline. And they, you, in the night when you had to facilitate, there wasn't much good facilities, you'd have to put your hand around it and go out to the outhouse because it was pitch black. You know, and you're just falling that thing into a smelly old stinky you know, outhouse. Some people, we have no idea what, no, some people in this room, your, your relatives might have come from Mexico. I mean, just think of all that they suffered 
and the immigration and starting a new life in a strange land. That's just physically to get us here. What about all the prayers your grandma prayed for you and all the worry and the sleepless nights and all the great preachers who suffered for us. And I just want to be aware of this. We don't always agree with what's happening. It's not easy. If, if we could change it, we would. Life is not fair in a lot of ways. But Paul said, all these things are for your sake. Now, if we lose our selfishness and don't take it personal, none of these sufferings are superlative. It doesn't say you're dying and you died. It, there was always a way out, always a miracle. Right at the end, there's always a way with God. And if you keep going and don't lose hope, Christ is going to suffer in us. Death worketh in us, he said, but life in you. What we need to do when we suffer, trust God. We're not alone, but also let's expect life to come. Let's, let's look forward. You know, and I'm not saying to be proud about it, but we've suffered a lot of things. Many of us suffering a lot of things in our life, loss, death, all sorts of problems. Let's look for who's going to live. Who's, somebody's going to benefit from this. This is the way of Christ. And when you get knocked down, you're not knocked out. You're not get back up. All right. Let's pray. Let's think about...